to go ahead and invite all of the children, K through 5, all the elementary age kids, if you would come and join me on this side of the stage, we're just going to have a little special time for us. How are you guys doing this morning? Come on over. We've got plenty of room over here. Is everybody warm? Is anybody cold last night? Does anybody like the cold weather? No. No? Uh, I love it. I love the cold weather. Well, let me ask you guys, what are some things that you love or things that you love to do? Right. Have a fire. Have a fire. Anna Claire? Swim? Lost it. That's all right. Um, play in the snow. Play in the snow. We didn't get any of that. Play football, yeah. What about some people? Who are some people that you love? Mom and dad, that's a good answer. Grandma and grandpa. Your family? My pets. Your pets. Your pets? Yes. Uh, your sister, that's very good. McKay, your family. So let me ask you, how is it that you show your love for them? Or how is it that you know that they love you? They lick me. They lick you? Oh, you're, you're pets, right? Yeah. Okay, I couldn't remember if you said pets or sister. Okay, so your pets. Boss? The way they take care of you? What else? They play with you, yeah. They forgive you, yeah. Well, at Christmas time, we have a great demonstration of God's love for us. Today, we're focusing on the manger, and we're thinking about love. And what we think about when we think about love is we, we remember that when Jesus was born, remember last week we talked a little bit about how God long ago promised that he was going to send a Savior so that our sins could be forgiven. And Jesus is that Savior. And so that was God's demonstration of his love for us. And so when we think about the manger, when you think about Bethlehem, I hope that you guys will think about that, that God demonstrated his love for us through his son, Jesus, and that that's what we celebrate at Christmas time. We want to celebrate the love that God has for us by sending his son, Jesus, that we could be saved through faith in him. Sound good? Can we remember that? All right, let's pray. God, I just thank you so much for um, the love that we all have from our family, from our pets, um, from our friends and brothers and sisters. Lord, we also thank you for your love, that you sent your son Jesus, that you would love us enough to send Jesus to pay the penalty for our sins, that we can be forgiven. Help us to remember that this Christmas season. In Jesus' name, amen. So last week we began our series on carols, and... um, what we're doing during this Christmas season is, is we're taking the theme of Advent or uh, of the week for Advent. So this week is, is Bethlehem or the manger in love. And we're, we're taking a carol that goes along with that theme. And we're looking at the theme of the carol or we're looking at the uh, few lines from the carol that, that remind us of that theme. So last week we looked at um, O Holy Night. And we saw, as we thought about prophecy and hope, we saw that Long ago, right after the creation, man sinned against God. Adam and Eve, they're in the garden, and they fall. They sin. 
Um, but right after that, God promises in Genesis chapter 3, he promises that he's going to send a Savior. And then 4,000 years pass that the world is just waiting for that Savior. And then the birth of Jesus comes. And the angels declare that, that Jesus is that Savior. And so then through Jesus, we have that hope of salvation. We have that hope of eternal life. And so that's kind of what we're doing as we go through is, is we want to, to just think about not just the songs, but what does the Bible say? What is the truth behind these songs, behind these themes? Uh, when I think about Christmas time, I love Christmas time. I mean, I think if you were to do like one of those family feud surveys, you know, out of 100 people surveyed, what was the top five answers of why do people love Christmas? How many of you think that, that the music would be at the very top of there? I, I, for me, that would be one of my, my favorite things. I'd, I'd guess that right away, and, you know, my family would take off and win Family Feud. Um, but I think what we love about Christmas music is that it always brings us back to maybe a, a great memory that we have from childhood of singing those songs or, or maybe singing them with our friends at school. And so there's a very, very deep emotional tie that we have to the Christmas carols. And a lot of times... Uh, that just overwhelms us, that emotion, as, as we sing the songs. And one of my hopes as we go through this series, um, Christmas car- or Carols, is that we could look at the truth that's found in Scripture that these songs are written about. And that as we, as we sing the songs in the future, that we wouldn't just think about O Holy Night as a, a song that maybe we sang when we were younger and, and it had meaning and it brings a nice warm feeling, but it would bring us to a place where our, our spirit in um, uh, is aligned with the truth of God's word. And we can sing that song and remind ourselves not just of, of better times or of Christmas's past, but we can remind ourselves that this is a true story, that this is what the Bible says really happened. And so that's my hope as we go through um, this carol series. And one of the things that, that we're going to look at this week as we think about Bethlehem and the manger and we think about love um, we're going to look at the song Away in a Manger. We just sang it a minute ago. And there's a phrase that comes up over and over again in that song. And that phrase is the little Lord Jesus, right? The little Lord Jesus asleep on the hay. The little Lord Jesus laid down his sweet head. And when we, when we think about Jesus at Christmas time, let's be honest. How many of you think about the little baby Jesus, right? Little eight pounds, six ounce, newborn, infant, cuddly Jesus. Don't even know a word yet. Just an infant so cuddly. Right? We think about the little baby Jesus that we miss some of the important stuff about him. We miss the fact that Jesus is Lord. Right? When we think about the baby Jesus, sometimes we miss the reality that Jesus is Lord. That sounds good, doesn't it? Jesus is Lord. Go ahead and write that down in your notes if you're taking notes. And then I'll, why don't we just say it together? All right? On the count of three, we're going to say it together. Jesus is Lord. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord, right? That's the truth, that when we look at the song, Away in the Manger, that we need to remind ourselves that Jesus wasn't just this little bitty baby, but he was Lord. And if you'll open your Bible with me to Luke chapter 2, we're going to see that demonstrated from the very beginning. In in Luke chapter 2, we have the, um, this is the first announcement of Jesus' birth coming from the angels to the shepherd. And This is what it says, beginning in verse 8. It says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around about them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ 
the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. So from the very beginning, just like we saw last week, from the very beginning, we see in Luke chapter 2, verse 11, that Jesus is the Savior, right? Can we see that here? Just like we saw last week. And then the next thing we see is that he's Christ, or Messiah, some translations say. That just means that he's the promised one, the one that God promised. And then we see that Jesus is Lord. Right there, at the end of verse 11, it tells us he is Christ, the Lord. And so this morning, I want us to to kind of talk about what does that mean? What does that mean for us today to say that Jesus is Lord? What does that look like in our marriage? What does that look like in, in our work? What does it look like when we're going Christmas shopping to say Jesus is Lord of my Christmas shopping? So we're going to look at that this morning. But before we get into that and look at what that really means, uh, I'd love to just hear from you guys. When you hear, hear the word Lord, what comes to your mind? What thoughts come to your mind when you hear the word Lord? Ruler. Master. The boss. <laughs> All right, so the word Lord in Greek is the word kurios. Right, and you can write that down. It comes up over and over again. Just write this down, kurios. And kurios means supreme in authority, right? So all those words that you just threw out, ruler, master, boss, those all tie into this. So it means supreme in authority, and it means controller. I think some of us just got a little uneasy when I said that word controller, right? We don't like the idea of someone else being in control of our lives. I mean, if we're honest with ourselves, I think we... We all have a little bit of control freak in us. We want to be in control. I want to be in charge of my life. Um, thankfully, you know, if you know me, you know that that's not an issue for me at all. Um, I don't have to be in control. Um, I've never struggled with that. Uh, just as long as everything goes my way and everybody does it the way that I want. I mean, other than that, I'd, okay, so I've got a little issue with control. I'm a little bit of a control freak. If you come to my house, just stay away from the remote control. That is mine. I don't care if the TV's not on. If it comes on at any point, we're going to watch what I want. I, I just need it in my hand. It's like this little safety thing. So if you just put down the remote control and back away slowly, nobody's going to get hurt. And I think we all have a little bit of that in us. We all want to be in control. And so this idea of Jesus being in control of our lives, of him being Lord, makes us a little bit uneasy. And maybe we're starting to realize, Jesus, if you want to be Lord, you've got to understand you've got a little bit of competition here. Because I want to be Lord in my life, right? I want to be the controller. But here's the thing, is that, that whether we realize it or not, Jesus is Lord. Whether we recognize him as Lord or not, Jesus is Lord. It says it right there, right? He is Lord. And so what I want us to think about is, what does it mean for us to make Jesus Lord? What does it mean for us to make Jesus Lord? As I thought about this week, I, I was thinking about that, and, and I realized that, you know what? We don't exactly make Jesus Lord, right? As, as you think about that, I mean, if you really want to be technical about it, you don't make Jesus Lord. God already did that. God made Jesus Lord. What we do is we surrender to his lordship. We surrender to his lordship. We choose to place ourselves under his lordship. And so um, what I want us to do with the rest of our time is now we've seen that Jesus is Lord, and Lord means controller, right? We want to move forward with that idea that Jesus is our controller. He's our supreme authority. So now I want us to think about what does that mean? 
what does that mean? And, and before we go any further, I want to be absolutely clear about something. When we talk about Jesus as Lord, um, what we have to understand is we're not talking about how to be saved. Okay, when we talk about Jesus being our controller, we're not talking about this is a way to salvation. Because the Bible clearly tells us that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, right? It is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one can boast. Right? So it's not a result of works. If you, if you come and you say, I'm going to make Jesus my Lord, and that's how I'm going to get to heaven, then you're basically saying, I'm going to work for it. I'm going to try to do all the things that Jesus says to do, and I'm going to earn my way into heaven. But we know that because of our sin, nothing we could ever do is going to get us there, right? Can, can we all agree on that? And so we need someone else to, to pay that penalty for us. And Jesus was that. So we're not talking about how to be saved. That's through trusting Christ alone as Savior. And last week, we looked at O Holy Night. Again, we looked at O Holy Night, and we saw that Jesus is that promised Savior, that he is our hope of salvation. That was God's demonstration of love for us, like I talked about with the kids. And so when we think about lordship, here's, here's how I want us to think about it. When we think about coming under Christ's lordship, think of it as our demonstration of our love for God. Okay, this is how we say once we've trusted Christ, we say, God, I see that you showed your love for me by uh, sending Jesus to die and pay for my sins. Now I want to show you my love. I want to show you my thanks by surrendering to your lordship. Does that make sense? Okay. All right, so the first way that I want us to consider that we surrender to Christ's lordship is uh, there's, there's really kind of two levels that we find ourselves on. The first is the partially surrendered life. The partially surrendered life. What do you think that means to live a partially surrendered life? Just call a couple things out that you might say, hey, this is what comes to my mind automatically. When it's convenient. <clears throat> when it's easy. Yeah, those are really good. That's, I, I don't think I could do it any better than that. Um, if you remember back to the Explore God series, those of you that were here, at one point we talked about the practical atheist, right, or Christian atheism which is people that say, you know what, I believe in God and I trust Jesus as my Savior, but then the way that they live doesn't match up with what they say. And so by their actions, they kind of live as though God doesn't exist. So practically, they're an atheist. you guys remember any of that? Does that make sense? So unfortunately, I think a lot of times that's where we are, especially in America. I mean, you look at the church in America, and we want to be Christians when it's convenient or when it's easy. But then when that hard stuff comes, it's like, well, you know what? I, I don't know if I'm that committed to it. It's a little too hard. It's a little too challenging. I think I'm going to do something a little differently. And so by the way we live, practically, we, we kind of live as though we're, we're atheists, as, as though we don't believe that God is really there. Um, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 through the eyes of the, of the partially surrendered life, it says this. Trust in the Lord with some of your heart. Lean on your own understanding. In some of your ways, acknowledge him. And you can make your own path straight, right? So this is what the partially surrendered life looks like. To say, okay, I'm going to trust in the Lord with some of my heart. I'm going to lean on my own understanding. I'm going to acknowledge him in some of my ways. And I'm going to go and try to make my own path straight. Has anybody, let's be honest. Anybody ever done that? Anybody? All right, good. I'm glad I'm not the only one. So what does that look like? In, in Luke chapter 6, 
Jesus is talking about the wise and the foolish builder. And he says, he says uh, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? I will show you what he is like who, who takes my word and puts it into practice. Right? That's, that's a big step right there. Not just knowing or hearing the word of God, but putting it into practice. And then he says, he is like the wise builder who digs down deep and builds his house on the firm foundation of the rock. And he compares that to the foolish builder who just builds on top of the sand. Right? And so he's saying, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and then just say, you know what? Uh, that's too hard. That's not convenient. That's not easy enough. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try it my own way. You know, I think that happens to us all the time. We, we're going through life, and we come to something, and, and we just say, you know what, this is a little bit more than I thought. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean on my own understanding on this one. Um, maybe it's our, our money. You know, we're, we're reading the Bible, and we see, wow, God, you, you say very clearly you don't want me to go into a lot of debt, and you, you're very clear that you want me to honor you with my finances and, and whoo, tithe. That 10%, man, that's, that's a big chunk of my paycheck. I, I don't know about that. And, you know, I want to I trust you with some of my heart, but just not my money. You know, when I get baptized, I want to hold it up out of the water so it doesn't get wet, so I can hang on to that one. And that's, that's the way we live. And so we say, God, I'm going to trust you with, with some of my heart, just not my wallet and my finances. Or we, we think about our, our relationships, and maybe there's a family member that's really tough for us to get along with or someone at work that's really hard to get along with and we say I know that it says that I'm supposed to pray for my enemies and and bless those who persecute me but man Jesus I don't think you really know this person that well have you spent time with them before it's really hard I I think I'm gonna lean on my own understanding in this one and and just kind of go and and do it my own way and and not pray for them I'm not gonna bless them I'm gonna go my own way or even with our time you know we say Man, Jesus, I, I really want to be all in on Sunday morning. I'm going to be there as long as there's not a football game on. Or someone doesn't call me and ask me to go play golf if the weather's nice. And, you know, I got a call. Someone said they want me to go fishing. And so, I, man, Jesus, I, I'd love to be there on Sunday morning, but I just can't, can't make it. You know, I've got this other thing coming up. So I want to I follow some of your ways, just not, just not all of them. How many of you would um, pretty much walk out if I started tearing pages out of my Bible? Like if I just took this thing, you know, like the power team, like ripped it in half, start pulling pages out and throw it out, be pretty upset, maybe a little offended. But what we don't realize is that sometimes the way we choose to live when we live that partially surrendered life, it's like we're taking the word of God and we're just saying, you know what, I don't really like that one. It's, it's too hard and we start ripping pages out. Yeah, ooh, that's pretty challenging. I don't like that. Before long, we end up saying, you know what, just just forget it. This is too hard. This is too hard. I'm gonna I'm gonna trust in my own understanding. I'm gonna make my own paths. I'm gonna go my own way. And we find ourselves living that partially surrendered life. And I don't know about you, but I know when I've been in that place, it's not always that good. It may feel good for a little bit, but it usually doesn't turn out that well. But there's another option. The other option is that God would call us to live the fully surrendered life. Now this is a big difference when we talk about the fully surrendered life. 
Here's how Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 reads when you look at it from the fully surrendered life. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. This is how it actually reads. If you were to look it up in your Bible, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, the writer of this proverb is living the fully surrendered life. He's saying, I'm going to trust in the Lord with all my heart. I'm not going to lean on my own understanding. I'm going to acknowledge him in all my ways, and I'm going to let him make my path straight. Do you see the difference as you compare the two? In that first one, there's a lot of me, my, mine, my, me, right? Anybody ever remember Finding Nemo? Who saw that movie? Mine, 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 right? The seagulls, that's me, my, that's, that's the partially surrendered life. But what we see about this is that this is about the Lord and leaning on his understanding and allowing him to make our path straight. Paul gives us a great example of that in Romans chapter 14. If you have your Bibles, turn there real quick. Chapter 14. Beginning in verse 7. Paul says, None of us lives to himself alone, and none of us dies to himself alone. If we live, how many of us are alive? Good, 50% of us. All right, how many of us, or the rest of you, we're going to have prayer teams at the end. You can come up and, and we'll lay hands on you. How many of us are alive? All right, good. 75% of us. We're, we're alive, okay? You might be asleep. I know this is cold morning. I'm not that exciting, but, but we're alive, right? So it says, if we live, who do we live to? It says, we live to the, the Lord. You've got to say it louder than that. If we live, we live to the Lord, all right? And then it says, if we die, we die to the So whether we live or we die, who does it say we belong to? We belong to the Lord. That is the fully surrendered life. Paul says, man, if if I live, I'm going to live to the Lord. I'm going to trust the Lord with all my heart. And if I die, I'm going to die to the Lord. I'm going to lean on his understanding. I'm not going to lean on my own understanding. So whether I live or I die, I belong to the Lord. I'm going to acknowledge him in all of my ways and allow him to make my path straight. Isn't Isn't that exciting to think about that? Whether we live or we die, we belong to the Lord. I know that's challenging for a lot of us to, to say that we belong to the Lord, but, but really, that's, that's reality. If you are trusting Jesus as your Savior, you belong to Him. Your salvation costs you nothing, but it costs Jesus everything. And so don't you think that He's got the right to, to ask you to do something? But you still have that choice, right? You have the choice. You can say no. But is that any way to demonstrate your love or thanks to someone who's given their whole life for you? Uh, I wish I had the clip. I, I thought about using this, but then I decided not to, and now I'm deciding I'm going to use it. So, <laughs> sorry. But this last week, um, I, I saw an article about a man. He was, uh, it was a boat that overturned off the coast of Nairobi. And for three days, this boat was overturned before the divers could get out there. And the divers are out there, and they're searching the boat. They're just inspecting it, making sure they can pull it up. And they find a man trapped, Harrison O'Keen. They find this Harrison O'Keen trapped. He's trapped in an air bubble, and he's alive. I'm sure the diver was freaking out. If you just 
you got to find the video because there's this diver going through and it's all murky and all of a sudden this hand reaches down. And I can't imagine what, what was going through in his mind when this hand reaches down and he's like pulling him up, you know. But this guy is alive. No food, no water. He's alive for three days. And he's rescued and he's saved. All right, now imagine you're Harrison O'Keen and you get a call from that diver and he says, hey, dude, I really need my yard to be mowed. Can you come help me out? What are you going to say if you're Harrison O'Keen? you be like, Give me the dress. I'll be right over. I got my own lawnmower. Do you need me to bring two? I, I can be there. You need your house painted too? I'm going to be there. Right? And so he has the choice. He can say no, but is that any way to show his thanks? I mean, would, he, would that really show that he was thankful for this man that saved his life? But if he says yes, then he's showing that he's thankful. If he says no, is the diver going to go back and put him back under the boat and leave him there? No, his life is still saved. And so when we think about surrendering to the lordship of Jesus Christ, we we think about it as our demonstration of our love for him and as a way to say thank you. And we have that choice. We can choose to live the partially surrendered life and keep telling him no, and we're still saved. But is that any way to show, show Jesus our love and show him our thanks for something that cost him everything? So here's what I want us to do. I realize that we're, we're all on a spiritual journey. And everybody in this room is at a different place. But we're on a journey with, our, with God in our relationship with him. And so what I want us to do is just everyone, um, if you would, bow your heads, close your eyes. And I realize that as we're on this journey, there are some of us who are here this morning and you're thinking about what does it look like for me to surrender to Jesus as my Lord and before you consider that I I want you to know that the first step is to trust him as your savior just like we talked about last week he is the promised savior who God sent to pay the penalty for our sins so that we could have a relationship with God for all eternity and so if you if you haven't done that Man, before you can even think about Jesus as Lord, you need to answer the question, is Jesus my Savior? And if you can answer that question, yes, that I'm trusting in Christ alone as my Savior, um, what I want to do now is just think through your life and ask yourself, am I fully surrendered to Christ as Lord? And no matter how long you've been a believer, I'm willing to bet that even if you feel like, yes, I'm doing a pretty good job, I'm on that fully surrendered side more than the partially surrendered, I want you to ask God this question. God, what is the one thing in my life that I am not allowing you to control? What area of my life is only partially surrendered to you? Just be real honest with yourself and with God. For the next few few seconds, few minutes, just say, God, what is it that I need to allow you to control? Am I allowing you to be Lord of my marriage? Am I allowing you to be in control of my marriage? Am I allowing you to be control of my my singleness? Am I allowing you to be in control of my dating relationships or my relationships at work? 
Am I allowing you to be in control of my finances? How I spend my time? What I look at on the internet, the TV shows that I watch? Whatever it is that God places in your mind, put a name on it, identify it. And then I want to encourage you to write it down in your bulletin. Write it somewhere where you're going to see it every day this week. And my hope is that as you wake up each day this week, that you would, you would say, God, I know that this is an area where, where I'm struggling to surrender control to you, but I want to live that fully surrendered life. I want you to be my Lord. So help me today as I go throughout my day. Help me to surrender this to you. I know for me it was a challenge and it, it was like a punch in the gut to realize that there wasn't just one thing, but there were, there were so many things that I could, as I started praying about it, God is saying, well, hey, look, you've got this and you've got this, but that's okay because you're covered by my grace. And I'm going to walk you through this. And I just want to encourage you, whatever you wrote down, whatever you, you had come to your mind, find someone that you might share that with and, and say, hey, look, this is... This is kind of a, a tough area for me, but I want to grow. Can you, can you ask me about it from time to time and just ask me how I'm doing? Would you hold me accountable? That may be in your community group that you're able to do that. Here's the thing. Once we trust Christ, we belong to the Lord. But we have the choice to, to surrender to him or not. And my hope is that you would choose that fully surrendered life because when you fully surrender to his lordship and you're living under him, there's a joy that comes like you've never known. I know it sounds weird. You know, we think, when we think of joy, we think of doing what I want when I want. But there is a true joy that comes from surrendering to Jesus Christ as Lord. And and we're going to look at that next week. Here's my hope for this week. My hope this week is that as we sing away in a manger again, that when you sing those words about the little Lord Jesus, you would just remember that he wasn't just the little baby Jesus, eight pounds, six ounce, infant, cuddly Jesus. He was Lord. He is Lord. He wasn't just the Jesus that died on the cross. He is the Lord. Say that with me. Jesus is Lord. Say it again. Jesus is Lord. Right? And so the truth is that God has made Jesus Lord. And he's not just the baby Lord. He's not just the, the crucified and risen Lord. He's the returning Lord. He's coming back. Jesus is coming back someday. And when he comes back, he's got a sword. And on that sword is written the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And when he comes back, he means business. And he wants to find us faithful. He wants us to be rewarded because of the faithfulness, because of the way that we've shown our thanks to him. Isn't that a great, great thought? That we could stand before Jesus and hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant." That's going to bring us the greatest joy we've ever known.